Welcome everyone to Plugged and Unplanned and I have with you today Dr. Kate Burke, the author of Crops, People, Money and You, The Art of Excellent Farming and Better Returns. Welcome to the program, Kate. Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here and really appreciate the opportunity to chat about my book. Now, it's a topic that I can assure you um, has, I, ha I don't think I've had anyone else uh, talking about farming and crops and, and therefore I'm quite intrigued about um, you know, what your book is about. And I'm sure those that are listening are too. Do you want to just start off and just talk a bit about either your background or the, the origins of the book and what you, know, what you think this, this kind of information is? Why is it important for people to read? Yeah, sure. Thank, thanks for that. I guess that the motivation for writing the book was most books about farming are either academic texts or they're general interest books, you know, about beekeeping or permaculture. There's not much in between. So my background is um, for 30 years I've, I've been an agricultural scientist so I had a range of roles, including research, teaching, and then consultancy, and also some time with a commercial enterprise, literally farming from the CBD of Melbourne with superannuation money. And um, yeah, and then working for myself in recent years. And I could see, I became fascinated with what it was that made some people really good farmers and ran really good businesses and they seem to be able to thrive they seem to be able to meet their goals which was ultimately leaving a legacy and and making some money along the way and and then you know they, there was just something about them they just seemed to have what I'd call it and so I suppose I went on a bit of a 20 year journey of trying to discover what it was. And in the end, it was about being technically good at your craft, good with money, but also good with people. And I mucked around with a lot of different titles. And in the end, I just decided to keep it really simple. And the key though, is what these the, the farmers that have it are good with themselves. You know, they take responsibility and they're firmly in the driver's seat and they know about their choices. And so that's why I called it Crops, People, Money and You, because ultimately it's those that are in the driver's seat, um, you know, do really well. That's a, it's so fascinating because there are so many farmers out there. Anybody um, can inherit a farm or purchase a farm, um, and I guess uh, with the way that the world's going with, with um, the pandemic, people are moving out of the, the cities and thinking about getting a bit of land and, and working from home and, and they'll tinker around with a bit of farming, of course, but you're talking about commercial farming. When you, when you looked at those successful operators and the ones perhaps that weren't, was there anything in there around education? Like they, oh, they went, they went to boarding school or they, they went, they went to, they were part of the school system, went to university, maybe traveled around the world. Um, they, they had a, a certain uh, level of education. 
or was it innately within them that they just had a feel for the land and the crops and um, just like a musician, some of the great musicians um, would would um, um, have been born to to play the guitar or play a piano or something. And do you feel like that was almost like part of their their sweet spot of who they were, that they were always going to do well on the land? Um, how, how did that play out in terms of your research and understanding? The answer is actually all of the above. It, it's fascinating. There was one piece of research I came across where they had really closely studied 259 businesses in Western Australia. And so they, they measured everything you could measure in terms of what happens on the farm physically, their financial measurements, and then also an, a very rigorous interview process where they did a lot of social questioning and surveying and, and gathered information like you're talking about experiences, you know, what they do on weekends, what their level of education was. And the fascinating thing, from one end of the Western Australian wheat belt to the other, the, the most important factor that determined difference in performance was actually the individual characteristics of that farm. So it wasn't rainfall, it wasn't soil type, it was basically the unique makeup of that farm. And the extension of that is you get people of all walks of life that can still perform really well on farming. Some will have a higher level of education and a broad life experience, and some will have just been the born farmer and, you know, followed mum and dad around with their toy tractor and wore the same little work shirt as a toddler as dad wears and then come straight back to the farm and they've just got it. So education's useful, but it doesn't necessarily define whether you're going to be that, that good farmer or not. Mm. So then... If you take someone who's very experienced, and we've got um, family friends who have farmed out in the Western Plains of New South Wales uh, for, for um, ge generations, and, and you say, let's take people like that who, are, who have certain, farmed in a certain environments, you talked about soil and rainfall and so forth, and you took some of those high-performing farmers um, from wherever they were around, across the country and put them in a different farming environment. So you put them in the, in the, the, the snowy mountain ranges and, and, um, and they had a lot more rain and a, lot, and a different soil type. Would they, would they quickly adjust because they had a certain approach and mindset and feel for what needed to go on? Or, or had they, did they intuitively need to be very familiar with the environment so they could then uh, plan better for you know not having rain or having rain or what you know all the seasons that come come with that that's a really interesting question and it's quite a relevant question for um the larger scale corporate farming and also the the family size or the the corporate size families that tend to start to move into different districts if they've got 
the characteristics of what I call excellent farming. So now they understand the, the fundamentals of what they need to be good at. They, that's quite transferable from one district to the other. Obviously local knowledge is quite useful and that's where the people skills come in that um, you know, having humility and curiosity and getting a good team around you to be then able to do what you do well, but in a dis different district. So the skills are definitely transferable from one district to the other. Yet I have seen examples of where, um, yeah, someone might come into a district and have a very high level of confidence of their own ability and and you know may miss the nuance of the district and that's where having good technical skills and knowing the right it's not about having the right answers it's actually knowing the right questions to ask so knowing to ask is this soil type different is this you know is the effect of frost different in this area what else do we need to know and um yeah so that's um that's my view on on that aspect of the questioning Hmm. Interesting. So, so then, when you when when you look at farming in general across Australia or even around the world, and look at the I don't know the gap between where they could be operating um, through all those things through uh, people skills, through um, um, just business, um, financial management, and so forth. All all the things that are required. Uh, is it easier now because of the internet? Are they, um, you, you, farmers can be quite isolated and, and feel remote. Now that the internet is around and they can have satellite connections to, to broadband and so forth, that they, they are watching more um, videos and YouTube and working out. Um, are they getting the wiser? Are they getting more informed, which is helping us? Or... Um, it, running even online courses how, how between where we are today when you look at it and you go because you get to see the perspective of this is a high performing farmer and this is someone who's struggling you can do a gap analysis in terms of ah oh, this is what they're missing now sometimes you just can't learn people's skills it's it's who you are as a person of course but there are a lot of other technical skills that can be addressed um, and do, do you is it is it, uh, are we looking at a, at a brighter future in terms of being able to um, kind of um, educate, empower um, and support um, people who are working on the land? Great, great question, Tony. Um, it's, I'm a bit of a student of, of history and and what I've noticed throughout the generations, listening to my father's stories, our farm's been going for 150 years. Now, my father was on that farm for 85 years and he started farming with uh, a, a team of draft horses and he finished up farming with GPS and satellite assisted steering. And the, there's productivity over the decades overall and so farming is one of those industries that, that there's always innovation and adaptation. And it's something that's probably not noticed by the, the overall population because 
we tend to only see stereotypes on television and we often only see them during droughts. Um, so we don't get to see the diversity that's out there. And in terms of, I guess, people having opportunities to improve themselves, well, those opportunities have always been there. Uh, you're right about the internet. It does make information more accessible. I think it can be a bit of a double-edged sword though, because like anything on the internet, you need to know how to filter that information and what's good quality information and, you know, and what's, you know, not so good quality information. So I could, you know, I'm a first time author. I did some Googling on the internet of how to publish a book and found all sorts of interesting information, but I ended up actually paying for somebody to help me guide me through that process in the end. So I, I made the most of my opportunity and, and used other people's experience and, and the knowledge of the industry rather than trying to just grab it off the internet. And I think farming's about the same. You know, you need to be really careful about um, the information. I call it having a good information diet. Um, you know, it's a bit like that old food pyramid. So you've got your fruit and veggies down the bottom and um, lollies up the top. And you want to have more fruit and veggies than lollies. Well, getting good information about farming is just be careful about the amount of lollies that you can consume from the internet. <laughs> That's great, great advice. So, so then um, when you think, I mean, it's interesting, you kind of, as you said that before, the, the gave me a little bit of an inkling in terms of the, of the progressive um, and, and, you know, right at the leading edge of technology, how, what people are doing, even your dad um, having, having made that, that huge transformation more than most of us, I would imagine, in terms of how what he had to do to embrace technology over over the years, do you, is it is it easily accessible that that technology for everyone? Uh, are people um, luddites in the terms in terms of oh, I'm not going to change, and but they do it to at their own detriment. They're not, or or are farmers actually big at embracing technology, anything to do it easier and and save money and so forth how do how do most of them kind of embrace new ways of doing things well it's a bit like i'll answer that question with another metaphor um you get those that you know when a, a new iphone comes out and you have people lining the streets and sleeping in the streets so they're the first one to have the, the new model and you know they may not be any better at doing their business than those of us that are still sitting with an iPhone 7, but they love the new stuff. So you get that element in agriculture like you do in any industry. So that sort of, I guess, the technology addicts. Then there's those that are just generally interested in technology and like to try and interested in innovation, but they still keep their eye on the prize in terms of productivity and profit. And then I guess there's the really astute ones who look for the profit opportunities in their business and then say, well, can technology help me get that easier or cheaper if I can grab that gap? 
And that's where you get the really sweet spot in using technology. So an example of that might be in precision agriculture, utilising something like there's a machine called a selective uh, spot spraying machine. And it, it's a camera that is only, it detects where there's a weed and it shoots out the spray only where there's a weed. And so you can drive along your paddock in, and it's particularly useful in what we call the, the summer fallow phase when you're not actually growing a crop, but you're wanting to keep the paddock clean so you conserve the moisture. And instead of plowing the field like we used to 30 years ago, which then brings a whole other series of issues like, you know, wind erosion and soil leaving the premises and ending up in the city. Using machines like this means you're only putting chemical where the weeds are, so it's better for the environment. And you're actually using, in some cases, 90% less chemical. So you're carving your summer spraying bill by 90%. Now, and that's enormous. So that's the sort of technology that's out there. And when used well, and, and for the right reasons, you know, it can um, make an enormous difference to productivity, to the bottom line, and also to well-being as, as well. Amazing. Amazing. Everyone, I'm talking with Dr. Kate Burke, author of Crops, People, Money and You, The Art of Excellent Farming. So your first book, you said. Um, yes. Come on. Tell me, you, you're going to have to fess up here. So if your English teacher from way back when you were in school said, what, young Kate Burke, she wrote a book, would they be going, of course she wrote a book. She was that, she was that clever. She was the smartest in the class. Or are they going, I can't believe she wrote a book? Well, I'm pretty fortunate that, I don't know about being the cleverest in the class, but I was one of those weird people that, loved English as much as I loved maths and you know I can still remember my opening line of the creative essay in year 12 in the year 12 English exam in 1985 that one of the topics that you could choose was surprises and my opening line in that exam essay was I know a bit about surprises because I am one <laughs> being the youngest of six and six years after the other five. All right. Um, yeah, so I love, um, yeah, love writing, love communicating with people. It just gives me a real adrenaline rush. Mm. So where do you do most of your work these days? As a consultant going into farms um, or are you working through your doctorate? Are you working in universities and doing, and doing research? How do you carve out your time? Uh, so I work, for myself now in private practice and I've got, a, I do a range of things, I guess. Um, it's a bit like when people work with me, it's a bit like going to the service center to, you know, you can choose to get your car washed and wash the windscreen and shine up the, the mirrors. So I do a bit of coaching work. So people get better awareness of themselves and those around them, or we can look under the bonnet and so I do sort of strategy and farm work and work with teams. And, um, and I also do a bit of 
you know, public speaking and communication type work and running workshops. I'm sort of only do a small amount of client, one-to-one -one client work these days because uh, I just really love communicating. And uh, I just, there's so much potential out there with the fact that 20% of the farming population are making twice as much money as the other 80%. There's this opportunity, and not everyone's in it for the money, but there is an opportunity for the middle to you know, be happier, more productive, um, have better people experiences, and the profit comes after that. And so I'm just really passionate about getting the message out and like every industry, often you have a lot of um, myths that sort of, and beliefs within the industry and, and the research that I did for the book busts a few of those myths. Like you don't actually have to get bigger to, to get better. One of the reasons I'm so passionate about this is that the, there's a lot of myths out there and, but really there's no perfect system in, in farming. The only good farming system is a well-run farming system so you don't need to be the biggest it's not just about prices it's about getting productivity right it's about getting the people aspect right understanding yourself understanding those that you work with getting the most out of your team and the profit you know being sensible with money of course and cost effective and then the profit follows from that but you can be farming three pigs on two acres or 3,000 pigs and it's still those principles that, that are um, what's important. Mm. So when, you, when people think about your book and obviously this is geared up for those that are on the land or thinking about uh, buying some land and, and farming, is, that, is there anything in the book that we haven't, covered or you want to talk about so people can get an insight and go yeah this sounds like a really good book for me where I'm at in my life and what and what I want to how I want to educate myself yeah well, I might talk about I guess the structure of the book and the style so the book is effectively in in four sections so I set out the scene obviously and then there's a section about productivity or what I call crops but really the same principles apply to livestock or anything else and that's about seeing the farm as a whole about understanding the potential of, of your farm and then managing the risk and what you need to do to get the most out of that potential for a particularly in dry land farming for any particular amount of rainfall that you get because basically what we're doing is we're harvesting rainfall and harvesting moisture in Australia. That's our most limiting factor in most regions. Then the second, the, the third section is about money and it's about understanding where your revenue comes from, which is effectively productivity and production first. It's about understanding what sort of a spender you are, you know, are you a, are you a, a frugal spender or are you a, a frantic spender or are you a flexible spender? And, and it's the flexible spenders that that's, um, that's where you need to be. And then the third chapter, 
in, in that section is again about risk and understanding the whole of farm risk. Then the last section is about people. So it's about you and understanding what drives you and your values and how to get the best out of yourself, how to manage the emotion that's in farming, you know, because we farming is so, there's so many external factors and so much noise out there. It's so easy to believe that we can't um, control anything, yet there's a lot we can control. We can control ourselves and we can control the decisions we make and the priorities we make to do a good job on the farm. Then there's a chapter about um, the people around you. So your team landscape. So then the chapter about you, I talk about your what I call our own um, operating system, personal operating system. I talk about our thinking machinery and I talk about our thinking landscape. So are we in the swamp? Are we grounded? Are we in our head? Or are we in the clouds and actually not really being in reality? So understanding all of those things, thinking about ourselves as machinery that needs to be maintained, just like any other um, part of the farm. And then I talk about our team landscape. You know, have we got a people team or is our team a bit lean and mean? So I talk through, I guess, social competence and, um, and, and all these, these factors. And then to wind all that up, I then bring all that together and talk about a couple of critical issues. And one of those critical issues is succession planning on farming. And, and how do we sort that tricky issue out? And I also talk about what corporate practice does well and what family farm practice does well. And if you take the best out of both bits, that's probably where you get the perfect, excellent farming practice. The other thing I did in the book was, because I wanted to make it readable and interesting, and I love sport. So I use a lot of analogies around sport. And it seems to seems to resonate with people it helps them understand the concepts and I also talk about our own family and a bit of history in there about my uncle Basil who you know had some classic quotes about buying land and how money falls out of your has a habit of falling out of your pocket but it never falls out of land and um, he told me that when he was 99 and he inspired me so much I went out and bought my own block of land the very next year thought he, this fellow might know something. He's been doing this for, I think he decided he was a farmer for 90 years because he ploughed his first paddock when he was nine. So that's sort of the style of the book. It, it's a book that, that non-readers actually read. Um, I've found people have bought it for themselves and the reluctant reader in the house has picked it up and hasn't put it down. So it's probably a book where people who think they only like audio books and don't like reading, this is probably a book that will engage them the way I've set it out. Because I'm a lazy reader, I'm a good writer, but I find it hard to concentrate. So I wrote it the way I like to read. Good on you, Kate. Congratulations on, on, on writing a book. We've got Dr. Kate Burke and her book is... Crops, People, Money and You, The Art of Excellent Farming. You can get it online. And if you're into farming or you, you love the land, then well done. And we look forward to hearing 
of your future successes. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast, and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore, at booktopia.com.au.